to overcome, succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty, defeat of an opponent to prevail, overpower or overwhelm of an emotion, adversity, a difficult or unpleasant situation, used in a sentence, resilience in the face of adversity. I want to break free. Hello and welcome to episode five of Overcoming Adversity podcast with my colleague, Blake Cohen. Hi, Blake. Top, top of the morning to you. And myself, Amanda Marino. Blake is a certified addiction professional and myself, I'm a certified life coach. Um, and we are here to talk about adversities and, and things that people have overcome. And I know that Blake and I have an awesome guest today. Blake, you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, we do. We have a an awesome guest, also a, a good friend of mine that I've known now for a few years, uh, who is Ben Stone. Ben, so Ben is a a public intellectual and motivational speaker and also a rapper. So Ben, are, are you there? I'm with you guys. I'm excited to be on the podcast, excited to be able to share with you and looking forward to some of the questions and where this leads. So Ben, we're, we're excited to have you because you are our first guest on this Overcoming Adversity podcast. Round of applause, everybody. Yeah, what what so an special. honor. I wish we had like some studio clapping effects come in the background right there. <laughs> I think I could probably do that, actually. So I, I might work on that for afterwards. It's a good idea. Um, so Ben, you know, part of the reason I was so excited to have you on is that you have a really interesting story because you've, you've always done a lot of really motivational, inspirational things. Um, you know, I wanted to call you a... Uh, spiritual guru of motivation and inspiration <laughs> but you know we, we nixed that early on so but because but you do inspire me and you and you do motivate me and I've always been really impressed with how 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 much you know and, and your knowledge base and and how learned you are and I I think um I think you bring a lot to the world and I think you bring a lot to to what's going on locally so can you tell us a little bit about yourself what you're working on what you're involved with I guess the, the, the real question is where to even begin with that. Um, I'll start with, I guess, a little bit of my background, and then I'll jump into a little bit of what I'm doing right now. So um, a, a lot of people do tend to tell me that my story is interesting. I think it, it's, you know, a lot of the times we experience our life in our own skin, and we kind of just feel regular and normal. And a lot of the times it's difficult to see something unique about our story. And a lot of times we need help of other people to see it. Um, but at the age of 19, I was, you know, a regular just teenager on the verge of becoming 20 years old. And I grew up experimenting in drugs and fun and all types of stuff like that. But even earlier, probably around the age of 60, and I became really obsessed with looking for deeper meaning and purpose in the world. And I started to study various religions, philosophies, and psychologies. And by the age of 19, without getting into all the details, I'd committed myself to becoming a certain form of monk, where I took a vow of poverty, a vow of celibacy, and basically spent seven years immersed in esoteric Judaism, uh, just meditating, studying, teaching that wisdom. And it was about four years ago. Once again, I'm skipping a lot of stuff because it's hard to kind of summarize that very shortly. I decided to separate, sever from those ways. And I began the process of what I like to call recovering from religion. And that leads me basically to where I am today, where I'm, you know, speaking in drug treatment centers and businesses. I'm working with private clients, just helping them through life. And on the side, of course, pursuing my passion, which is rapping. That's wow. awesome. 
And you were recently, at, there's a TV show coming out on A&E, uh, Addiction Unplugged, I think that you were a big part of as well, right? That is true. I don't have de- too much details to share with you on that, but that is going to be launching soon. Uh, I'm super excited about it. It was an awesome venture that I was recruited for. Uh, and kind of cool, actually, how it happened and kind of even motivational. I mean, speaking of overcoming adversity, when I left that organization I was a part of as a so-called monk, I guess is just the best way to put it. Um, it was petrifying. I was 26 years old. I never had a credit card. I never paid for, uh, for a car payment myself. I never paid for a, a living space myself. And I remember the decision I made to sever from that lifestyle. I literally puked. I was so nervous about coming back into the world. And the first thing that I started to do to make money was to start to speak in treatment centers because I'd had some contacts in that arena. And literally not that long after I was speaking in a treatment center and there was a gentleman who owned one of them who happened to have this TV show idea. And literally just from kind of being in the right place at the right time, I got recruited for it. And I guess it's kind of just a a message that even when you don't know what you're doing and you're kind of going through one of those scary phases of your life, if you put in the hard work, various doors can open up. Wow, that's awesome. So true. Yes. So I... You know, I want to touch on a little bit more of the adversity. The, so the format that we like to do with our guests is we want to talk about the adversity and then talk about the overcoming part, really kind of get into the nitty gritty of it and instead mm-hmm. of just grazing over it, because that's the important stuff. And that's, you know, we all hear stories of, of overcoming and of inspiration of people going from a really low place in life and, and then having great success and finding whether it's spiritual or financial, whatever it may be. But there's the little nitty gritty and the details of that and the things that have to happen to get there first. So, of course, when you when you left this religion, I'm sure it was a huge shock to your system. So tell me a little bit more about that. Was there any blowback from the community? What, what did you have to deal with? Man, that, that's an intense question. And, and just like to preface before, like I, I jump right into that, I think it's also just important and unique to acknowledge that everybody's adversity is unique. And. Sometimes I could feel a little silly and I think other people might struggle with this as well. You know, like after reading a book, like uh, a man's search for meaning and you read about somebody struggling in the Holocaust or you hear about a woman going through sexual assault or there's so much pain that people go through. And sometimes it's so easy to kind of look at your adversity like it's nothing. But at the end of the day, your adversity is your adversity and you should honor it, appreciate it and realize that whatever your life circumstances are, everybody has difficulties. But um, let's see. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. Thank you, Ben, for acknowledging that, because I think that is, I think people do minimize often um, their struggles um, or put them in the backseat. So thank you for, for saying that. Yeah, I think, I think that's important because like, I mean, let's say even overcoming this, uh, overcoming religion for me, um, you know, to somebody else, they might kind of just like, you know, gawk it off. Like once again, compared to a physical, sexual, emotional abuse, it might not seem like too much, but in reality, what I'm about to dive into, it was excruciating and, and, and very difficult inner process, right? So, I mean, people can go through financial challenges and lose things physically, but I, I guess the best way I would speak about overcoming religion is it's kind of overcoming a, a, a mental and emotional rape, not a physical rape. And what I mean by that, if I can try to explain it and pinpoint it perfectly, is that you live your, your life, at least from the religious perspective, believing that reality has a certain foundation and all of your beliefs have a certain foundation. And when all of a sudden you start to question, is what this religion is teaching me actually even true? The foundation of your beliefs about reality start to disappear. 
And that's a scary thing. It literally feels like you're uncertain about your identity again. You're questioning a lot of things, you know, were you seeing the truth? Was there falsehood? There's, there's a lot of difficult things that you go through. And I guess I'll just give one snippet and then I'll let Blake or, or you, Amanda, just ask a follow-up question. Uh, the best way that I could explain it is in like basic Freudian psychology, he speaks about an id ego and super ego. And to sum it up, the super ego very simply is our conscience or our inner voice that's telling us what's kind of right and wrong. And as a, a religious individual, because I was extremely religious, we're not talking about somebody who went to temple once a week or church once a week. I was extremely religious on a very intense level, which is a very different frame of mind than somebody who just dabbles. And just to give you guys an idea, when I left religion, and I, and I don't mind to be open about this, I had sex with who's now my wife, but was my girlfriend at the time, I felt like I committed the biggest sin on the planet by having sex with the woman that I love. And that's because in my training in religion, I was trained to believe, first of all, that you know sex before marriage was awful. Um, my wife, by the way, went through a conversion, but at that time it wasn't complete. And you know, you're trained to believe that having sex with a non-Jewish girl is awful. It's like the worst sin. You're going to go to hell, blah, 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 blah. And in retrospect, I could tell you that I don't believe any of those ideas are true. In fact, I think they're absolutely ridiculous. I think the woman that you love, especially being a grown adult, you should be entitled to have sex with, enjoy it, and not feel guilt and shame about something that's remarkable and miraculous. But that's one example of, of how skewed you know, my mind became and some of the inner difficulties I had to overcome along overcoming that religiosity. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean... Man, thank you for opening up about that. And I know that's not easy to talk about, you know, especially getting into the sexual side of things. It can can be often uh, construed as taboo to even discuss. So I appreciate you bringing that up because it's a very real fact of that. And I, I've had the opportunity to be around um, Orthodox Judaism and, I mean, other religions as well. It's not just Orthodox Judaism. It's just what I have experience with growing up. Of course. And I know, I know it can be very judged. There's a lot of judgment that goes on when you leave that community. And, and any Orthodox community is very judgmental, very set in their ways. And thinking that if you leave that community or if you do things differently than what they believe, that you're wrong. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there was a lot of blowback that, that you received from the community. Because I know you can't just, it's very hard to just make a, a clean cut. Is that right? That, that's 100% correct. I mean, so, you know, speaking of, you know, beliefs being uprooted, I mean, the community and the home and the people that became family for me for seven years, all of a sudden, almost instantaneously and immediately, we're not family, we're not really friends. And a part of that was from their end of kind of just, you know, separating from me because of my separation from the religious belief, because one of the sick things that kind of happens when you're in, it's kind of like a cultish mentality, to be honest with you, but it's also very often a natural phenomenon with, with uh, being very religious, which is that once you doubt the belief or once you doubt the teaching, you kind of get ostracized because people are afraid of you. They actually think that like you're going to infect them with your doubts. When in reality, I mean, it, it's funny. I used to look at doubts about life or doubts about even God as such a, a horrible negative thing. And now to be honest with you, doubts I think are so important. I mean, it, obviously you want to have some kind of confidence in yourself and even confidence in your relationships. But until you doubt your relationship, you can't determine if it's the right one. Until you doubt yourself, you can't gain true confidence. And I think sometimes from a a religious perspective, um, you become scared to question. You become scared to think outside the box. And I think that's a very dangerous thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Amanda, do you want to, do you want to take the next question about, you know, the, the overcoming process and what that looks like? 
Yeah, no, I, I find this all really interesting. I, I have a, a definite interest in different religions just to like learn about them, not to, you know, to practice them, but it's it very, it's intriguing to me. I go to Utah a lot and I know I, I've, you know, since going to Utah often, I, I've, you know, become very interested in knowing what Mormons do and, and learning mm-hmm. more about that. So I find this all very interesting, you know, ex- you know the extreme um, depth of, of some of the religions. Um, you know, what, what do you think it was for you that, that shifted and changed and, and like how, what were the steps that you took to kind of honor yourself and stand in your truth? And, and even in spite of what, you know, your whole world was doing, like that's, that's really brave Ooh. to be able to step into your, to yourself, you know? So what were this, what, what did, what did that look like? Like the shift of the overcoming part? Well, I, I guess I, I even need to say the first thing is that I think in the beginning, so the best and the worst thing that happened to me, and, and this was, you know, going on four years ago, I'm 30 years old now, so I was 26 at the time. Um, when I was in this organization and I was teaching for them, there were leaders of the organization. And I, I don't even mind to say the name publicly because he already had a case against him where he was proven guilty. But the truth is, is that he wasn't proven guilty of as much as he actually did wrong. So I, and I don't mind to publicize that. So I think it's important when somebody does something wrong and is a public figure, I think they should be held accountable. But the best and worst thing that happened to me is I found out one of the lead teachers of this organization was sexually taking advantage of women in a variety of ways. Oh my God. And what that caused, yeah, it, it was, it was awful. What that caused me to do. And I, I, once again, it's so hard to express the emotional response you go through with something like that. But it's like you're, you're living your life for seven years, you're serving this organization, and you're even serving this teacher, and you kind of have this view of them in a very ideal light where you, you think they're like some kind of spiritual and holy person. And, you know, and probably part of my problem at that time is I was young and naive, and I started that journey when I was so young that maybe my naivety got the best of me. But you start to wake up and you start to realize that people are people, even if they're gurus, even if they're rabbis, even if they're priests. And, you know, when it became public knowledge, all of the wrong things that this individual was doing, that was kind of the sign and symbol for me to question everything I was doing, including all the religious things. And I don't want to give the impression like I I was um, in an organization and I found out a leader was doing something wrong. So I rebelled against religion and rebelled against God, because I think that's childish. It's nothing like that at all. It's more like when I realized this individual was doing these wrong things, it made me really question who am I, who am I serving and what am I doing? And a bunch of questions just kind of follow that. But I think where I I got the, you know, you speak of, you know, bravery. Um, I guess it was brave to sever and leave and go on my own. But honestly, I have to admit, I was scared the whole way. And I think sometimes we forget that bravery and courage are not about not having fear, but it's, it's, it's having fear. Like I was so scared of how I was going to make enough money. I was so scared of forming new beliefs, which by the way, I, I, I think it took me four years, like probably today as we're speaking and having this conversation, only the past six months have I become more confident in who I am and in the fact that I no longer keep kosher. I no longer keep Shabbat. I, 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 there's many things that I do today that literally four years ago, I would have felt so guilty. I would have felt as if I was committing a really bad crime and it, it was not easy. I, I, I just, yeah, I, I feel grateful that I did it but I don't want to stand here and almost act like um, I was so confident along the whole way. Cause there was many moments that I was very unconfident and very afraid to be very honest with you. So it's, I'm sitting here and I'm sure Amanda's doing the same thing. I'm just sitting here nodding my head in agreement with everything that you're saying. Yeah. Cause I totally, yeah. I, I totally understand everything you're saying. And I think a lot of our listeners do too. Every time that we face an adversity or a struggle, 
it does take this kind of leap of faith and there's this huge amount of fear. And, and like you said, that's where we're, what real, well, real courage is, is when we, we have to walk through that fear instead of running away from it and staying stuck in the same situation that we're in. And any type of growth experience is based in, in that fear and that struggle. And I know That's even the true bravery. That's a, the real stuff, you know, really? to walk I mean, through it when you're fearful. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I've even recently, uh, you know, last year leaving, like I said, and I've talked about this a couple of times, leaving a job where I was really comfortable because I was there for so long, but very uncomfortable because it was no longer the right fit for me. And mm-hmm. leaving that job, and I, I identified with that place. I mean, I was Blake from, you know, XYZ, wherever I was at. And leaving that job really rocked my world because everything changed and everything got flipped on its ear. And yeah, that sounds like you said, you know, you talk about the Holocaust or man's search for me, you know, that type of adversity, it doesn't compare. But for me, it was a very real struggle and I went through a lot. And absolutely, man. Going through that phase and taking that leap of faith and not only taking the leap of faith and just doing the basic action of leaving and finding a new job. But taking that anxiety and those struggles that I was feeling and making something out of it is where now I feel much more confident in myself. But I, I think <laughs> it's an important point to make is that you cannot find true self-value, self-worth, self-esteem, and confidence without dealing with struggle and, and adversity first. Yeah, I think everyone can relate I, I, to I that, hear that. I think that's that's, you know, I think that that's so... I just admire that. And it, it made me relate to, you know, personal experience as well. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And, and Blake, by the way, I just, you know, as much as once again, there is, there's levels to everything and there's differences and obviously leaving the religion and leaving a job and leaving a relationship, they have their different components, but that was a really great analogy, man. Like that's, it's true. It's like, you know, you can be in a relationship for three to five to 10 years or whatever amount of time it is. And Sometimes you come to the conclusion, maybe it's not the right one, but how many people are just too afraid to leave? And I don't even judge them for it because it's scary. You know, like sometimes I like to look at it. It's kind of like, do you want to live your life in the pool of what you know, or do you want to venture into the ocean? And being in a small pool, I mean, the water is clear. You can see everything. It's not that big and it's comfortable, like you said. But when you jump in that ocean, it is, can I curse? Am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Yeah. It is when you jump into the ocean, when you jump into the ocean, it's fucking petrifying. You can't see there's all types of creatures and it's, it's exhilarating. It should be exciting, but it's, it's just, it's scary. And there's just no escaping that whether it's leaving a job relationship or or anything where there's uncertainty involved. It's, it's, it's a scary experience. Oh my God. I'm so right there right now too. I'm like, my stomach is on fire. (laughs) I just, I just, I just left something that I created and that was very painful, a a nonprofit that I created. It was very painful, but it was also like exactly what I needed to do. Like having something be my baby and and starting it out of like pain and passion and then stepping away from it was, has been a tremendous experience. So it's, I can relate to both of you 100%. And my, my stomach is on fire too, probably because of the (laughs) strong coffee that I'm drinking, but (laughs) it's on fire as well. That's funny. How long, how long were you running your nonprofit for? Um, it started at the end of 2015 and, um, and created it with, you know, myself and a, and a few other women. And then it just, it grew and, and things changed and it no longer, 
was what, you know, the original mission was and, or what I felt, you know, and it, things just shift and change. And I had to make a huge, brave decision that in spite of everything else, I, I identified who it was part of my identity, that it wasn't going to be my identity, that I could still walk away and mm-hmm. still have that identity, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel I, you. Yeah. So let's, we only have about seven minutes left or seven or eight minutes left. So I want to talk about the overcoming process and and where you're at today. So tell us a little bit about what you had to do to, to get where you're at today. And I'm sure you're still growing and you're still, you still go back and forth and you're still hurting from this process because it's still only been a couple of years. Um, But what is, what did that look like and what did you have to do to dig yourself out? Hmm. That is a great question. So the first thing that I did, and that's probably what I've always known best, is I dove into books. And obviously, I I think that there is uh, certain things that you can't learn from books in life. There are certain things that you have to experience to really learn. But I started to study from a variety of philosophers and individuals that when you read them, you could just kind of tell that they're just, you know, some of the most intellectual people in the world. And, you know, it's, it's almost like when you look at anything. So if it's basketball, if it's NFL, if it's a sport, if it's even singing, you know, there's people that invest in a field and they climb to the top of their field and they're the greatest at their field. And a lot of people might get upset about this comment that I make, but even let's say in the gym, you know, like I'm not going to be able to compete with Arnold Schwarzenegger because that would just be ridiculous, right? Especially Arnold Schwarzenegger from 30 years ago. And I have no problem with admitting that Arnold Schwarzenegger is stronger than me. I think when it comes to the intellectual field, I think people have a hard time in admitting that some people's opinions are more powerful than other people's. And some people, without sounding disrespectful, are smarter than others. It's not a condescending statement. It's not a judgmental thing. It's just a reality. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I started to study people that I think were the smartest people to ever live in this world. And I think that if you want to become great in anything, you should learn from the best in your particular field. So when I started to study, so I'll just give you some names. I started to study Arthur Schopenhauer, Frederick Nietzsche, David Hume, Brooks Spinoza, Rene Descartes, Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, and Eric Fromm, and, and the list goes on and on. But the bottom line, what was phenomenal is that to really unlearn a lot of the false teachings that I had accepted to be true, I needed to kind of learn from people how to think properly and how to determine between fact and fiction. And I don't know why it's coming to my head right now, but I just want to give you like a taste of the ridiculousness of some of the religious teachings I used to believe. So there's this one superstitious belief in Judaism that I learned about, because once again, I didn't just study Judaism, like the surface of it, but esoteric and very mystical forms of it. There's this one teaching that our nails, our fingernails specifically, uh, possess all the negativity of, of our body. And that when you cut your, your fingernails, you have to be careful that they never fall on the floor. You need to make sure to dispose of them. And if God forbid a pregnant woman were to step on a fingernail, that her, she could lose her baby. Or strange things like having sex by candlelight, if, you're a woman, if your wife gets pregnant, can cause really bad problems to the child. Like uh, many superstitious beliefs that, and, and I don't want to crush a person who believes in these teachings like it. My, my style is whatever you believe in, believe in, and I'll respect it. But just where I stand today, I can almost not believe that I was so overcome by these believing these teachings and so afraid to live life in certain ways because I believed in these what I call fictions in my brain. But the, the biggest thing, Blake, just to kind of stick to your question was I had to study a lot. I had to relearn things and re-educate my brain and convince myself that certain things were okay again and really determine a new form of what's right and what's wrong. That was, that was the biggest thing I had to go through. Wow. 
Yeah. So, and, and that's a very important message of, of action that you took and that it took some drastic action and really trying to reevaluate your thought process and, and your beliefs. So I, I think that's, that's a very important message that you just gave us and gave our listeners. And re-educating Oof, man, yourself. It, that's amazing. Re-educating. And I guess part of educating is uneducating. And yeah. I think, you know, to uneducate, you need to, like, I don't think you could just uneducate without education. You need to learn new things to unlearn some of the wrong things. And, you know, just, uh, you know, I guess a follow-up, like, I, I guess also what I did, and that was very difficult. You know, there was a time for seven years straight, I prayed three times a day. And I don't mean like, God help me. I mean, like I prayed in, you know, the ancient Hebrew mm-hmm. form. And, you know, you're talking about an hour and a half minimum a day dedicated to prayer. Um, I remember over that seven year period, I literally missed only one prayer. So that's, I don't know, out of thousands of prayers, I missed one prayer because I had to visit somebody in the hospital. That was the only reason I missed that prayer. And I remember four years ago when I stopped praying those prayers, every morning that I would wake up and not pray, I would hear voices in my head telling me, oh my God, this is going to ruin your day. Your day's not going to be good. And I just had to be patient. I had to wake up and just remind myself every day when those thoughts would come, those thoughts are not true. You don't need to say these Hebrew words to have a good day. You got to be a good person. You got to attack life and you got to do the things that you want to do. But I don't need this. I'm not codependent on saying these words in order to live a good life anymore. Yeah, you know, Amanda and I touched on this last week when we were talking about our trip to Vegas and being away from our routines for a week. And I, I used to have a lot of guilt associated with these little things that, that we you know that we do in our recovery that are supposed to be like our mental medicine. And mm-hmm. I being away from them for a week and being off of my routine, not meditating, not praying in the morning, like I'm, you know, that I'm like, I've been trained to do. I typically feel these, these, this guilt associated with that. And I think this trip Maybe it means I've grown more spiritually. This was this trip was the first time where I gave myself a break on that and got back to my routine when I got back home, and it was totally okay. That it, we're not the world's not going to come crashing down on us just because we didn't we didn't do these certain things that we tell ourselves that we have to do. Right. That is that's a huge thing in recovery, and I honestly don't know the answer to that. You know, because you know Blake also that I speak a lot in recovery and. One thing I never want to do, and it's also really important, like I went through this process on my own and willingly, and you never know where somebody is and working with somebody, especially privately, trying to help them in their life is a scary thing. And you never know what button you're going to press that's going to help. And by the way, you never know what button you're going to press that's going to hurt. So like that is a conversation with people in recovery I don't even know how to address because obviously I think it's important that people go to meetings and that people, you know, work a program and whatever spiritual things are going to help them but I also do see a tendency in the program and it's probably I project because of my own experiences. I do see a tendency sometimes of, of instead of kind of using tools to grow, I see a form of codependency on tools and there's a very thin line between the two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I agree. And I think what, you know, what, what we're saying is that it's, it's okay to take a week away. We think, I mean, I'm a big believer in routine and, and habits. And I think they're very important to stick to those routines and habits but not feeling guilty if you miss a, a day or two or a week. Uh, just I like knowing- flexible mm-hmm. routine. Flexible routine works for me. I don't like to be put in a box and have to, have to, have to. You know, like I like it to be a routine of choice. <laughs> Ultimately, because that limits you. If, if you're stuck yeah. with a certain routine and you're stuck in a box, then you're limited, as, you're limited to the size of that box. So it's got to be flexible True. so that you can grow in life. Yeah. True, true. I, I, I like what you said about that guilt place because I, I agree with you. I, I really am I'm still a creature of habit. I mean, I, 
I do things every day still, like I invest in my dancing and my rapping. And there's certain things that I try to do every day. And I, I do think it's important because if you don't invest in continuity, yeah, you're not going to grow and that's going to be a problem. But I think what you just hit there, Blake, is kind of the underlying point is when you notice that you're feeling guilt, kind of just to reevaluate, why am I feeling guilt? Like, I get it. It's good for me to do these actions and behaviors and they help me to grow. But also I shouldn't, it's, it's not healthy to feel guilty about such a matter. It's not healthy to, it's not healthy to feel guilty if I miss a prayer, if I miss a meeting, if I need to go to a meeting or if I need to do this action to maintain my sobriety or to maintain my mental health, so be it. I should definitely do it. But also there's something a little bit off if I start feeling guilty about those things. That's, that's something, it's a sign that I need to reevaluate something, I think. Absolutely. I have a very, very important question for you, Ben. Sure. Could, could you rap for us? Uh, I mean, I could, I, right now I don't have a beat. Do I, I could just do something acapella. I don't mind. Is that, is that cool? If, if you're comfortable with it, I would love it. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, for me that I love that. I love to improvise. So firstly, like in, in rapping, I'll give it a brief intro, um, is in rapping, there's uh, two forms of freestyling and a lot of people get them confused. One type of freestyling is when people write something and then somebody puts a beat on and they just take their written words and they put it over a beat. And another type of freestyle is called the freestyle off the top of the dome. And what that means is literally you're making up everything you're saying in that precise moment. So I'm going to do that literally right now. And then uh, hopefully, Blake, I think we're probably going to be done soon, right? Yep. As soon as Hopefully not because I'm not having a good time, but because I need to make it to an appointment at 10. <laughs> no, trust me. But, I, would uh, love, any- uh, I, I would love to do this conversation for an hour, but I, I get it. I know, man. I, I can't, uh, it's, it's so pleasant and I feel like we can keep going. But I'm going to jump into that rap. You ready for it, Amanda? I'm ready. I was born ready. All right, because I, I need some, <laughs> some motivation from you. <laughs> All right, All right let's check go. it, yo. <laughs> check it, yo. I go and open up my eyes. I'm having this discussion, and sometimes I recognize it's nice to be with Blake, and it's nice to meet Amanda. Sometimes I wonder what's up with all this banter. Voices in my head, they were bugging me all the time. When I want to rhyme, I was searching for a sign. I shine with the divine when I was climbing above, and I was looking for the unity and looking for the love. Sometimes it's fake, but I'm searching for the real. Sometimes I don't even know what I feel. Honest Mike is still trying to always open up, erupt like a volcano happened so abrupt. What was happening, it's always taking all this time. Thoughts leaking out, they were coming from my mind. Elevate my mental, even though there's not an instrumental keeping it essential. Sometimes people think I'm mental, searching for the energy that's deep within my soul. Feel as if I'm trapped within a hole. Where to go, go, go. Oh, something like that. Woo! That was boop, awesome. boop, boop. I'm in my car. <laughs> over, here jam, over here jamming in my seat. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so ne- next time you. you gotta do it with a beat. Ben, I know okay. you gotta go. So we, we do a segment on this show called Let It Out. Uh, where it's, uh-huh. it gives us all an opportunity to let something out that's bothering us today, uh, whether it's today or this week, this month, whatever's on your mind that's bothering you. We want to give you an opportunity to let it out as quickly as you can. I know you got to go, so why don't you do your let it out, and then you can maybe hop off the call, because, I, I, again, I know you got to run, and then Amanda and I will sure. finish up here. But thank you so much for, for taking thank the time you. to talk to us, man. It, it really was a really a very enlightening conversation and is exactly what I needed on this Tuesday morning. Me too. You're awesome. Thank you, man. I, and, and thank you guys for hosting me and having me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. It was really great. Um, and hopefully, Amanda, I mean, Blake, I know, and we have information. Hopefully, Amanda, we can get more in touch and just, you know, always go to network and collaborate and talk. And those things are very great. Um, Absolutely. Let's see. Let it out. What do I want to let out? I mean, Blake knows I was moving, so that's the easy one. But I'm trying not to give myself the easy <laughs> way out here. What should I let out? Hmm. 
I mean, I guess just the, the this is just the, the the inner struggle I'm going through right now. So I'm 30 years old, and I do have a life coaching, motivational speaking company, and that's my bread and butter, and it you know provides for for my livelihood at the moment. But you know, I'm 30, and I'm, I literally am really trying to pursue a rap career, and I'm putting much more energy, time, and even investing money into that right now. So I guess just you know to let out the fear that you know I'm doing the wrong thing, and just once again I'm climbing into a new unknown. But I guess that's something that I want to let out, just that I'm, I'm dealing with that fear every single day, like I'm crazy and I'm reverting back to childhood and I should grow up and be an adult and just pursue the life coaching and motivational speaking thing because it's the more mature adult thing to do. But then I have that other inner struggle going on inside saying, Ben, follow your passion, follow your heart, follow your dreams. So that's mm-hmm. what I want to let out right now. <laughs> that's a good awesome. let it out. That's very deep, my brother. <laughs> yeah. All right, That's brother. Awesome. Anyways, Blake, th- thank you. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, Amanda. And I uh, look thank forward to being in touch with you guys. Have a good day. Yeah. All right, my brother. See you thank, you. thank you. Thank you to the listeners, whoever's listening. I don't know who you are, but we love you. We thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Thanks, Ben. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to let out. Um, he was awesome, by the way. But I'm going to let out that how quickly this year is going by and how that school's already starting. And it's pretty much already <laughs> Christmas. I saw a meme of like, you know, we're buying school supplies, it's going to be Halloween, and then it's already going to be the new year. And I really feel like that. I wish time would slow down. Like I'm in a precious time with my kids. My daughter's six, almost seven, my son 13, almost 14. And like, I just, and I'm I'm like, you know, my husband and I have a good life and we're happy. And it seems like when life is like this, it flies by. And when it was crappy, it like the weeks would like drag on. So I would love it if life would just like slow down and I could just, you know, appreciate you know just appreciate every moment because it's really annoying that like you know school's starting in two weeks and the summer's already gone as a mom like I like the summer I like the the flexible structure you know with camp you have to be there at nine you don't have to be there at 7 a.m you know and like it's it just it gives more of a freedom you know so um Hmm. so yeah that's what I want to let out time's flying by way too fast and it's irritating me I think we can all agree with that one. Uh, seriously, I think that time is flying way too fast. It doesn't even, summer just seemed like a blur to me. It just started and we're already coming towards the end of it. So I, I can't believe that. Yeah, um, crazy. I think that, you know, this isn't my let it out. I do think it's a little annoying that everybody's talking about Christmas in July. I think it's a little bit annoying. I don't know what's <laughs> going on this year, like why that's viral right now, but it's yeah. annoying. Yeah, I even like did it. My sister As, did it with her boyfriend. It's the thing. Everybody's doing it for this year. Even I, I have like a an app on my phone where I play poker. Like and it's not real, it's fake chips, but like it's just a, a good pastime that I sit and play with. And even on there, they're doing a Christmas in July special. It's like it's everywhere right now. That's so funny. So um my let it out, I think, is a little bit deeper than usual. And it was triggered by something Ben said, and it's something that's been on my mind quite a bit that it's an internal struggle that I, I go through. Um, you know, Ben talked about that there are some people who are just more intelligent than others. And some people just have a better way with words and are just better at certain things. And I have this internal struggle of not feeling good enough often, honestly. So, you know, when I meet somebody like Ben, I'm inspired and motivated. And then part of me can't help but compare myself to to his level of spirituality, to his intellect. Um, and I find myself doing that often where I get intimidated by people who even have just a, a, bit, a higher degree than me. I feel like they're better than me. And I, I have to constantly remind myself that we're all our own 
entity. And just because someone has a, a different degree doesn't make them better or smarter than me. It just makes them more educated than me. But it is a, a constant struggle that I have. Um, I mean, I, I struggle even watching TED Talks, you know, because I'm pursuing a public speaking career. I watch these TED Talks and I go, I'm never going to be as good as these people. I'm never going to be like them. And, and so that's, that's my let it out. I think it's a internal struggle that I have to get over and I have to gain more confidence in myself, but it's a very real thing. I think that's human. I think that's human. And I think that it's harder for those of us that are in recovery um, to believe in ourselves all the time. Like I'll talk about things that I'm, you know, that I have struggled to believe in. People are like, what are you talking about? You're already doing that. Or, Or you do everything you set your mind out to do. But like in my mind, I can't do it, you know? So I think that that's, you know, you're human. I think you're amazing. And if you could see, you know, what everyone else saw, you would be like comparing yourself to yourself because you're badass. Well, I guess that's always the hard part though, is we're always comparing ourselves to others and, and maybe certain, it's a certain mindset that helps you people like you and I grow, but I, I feel like it's, I'm never good enough. Um, and that there's always more room for growth and, and I need to get to that next level. So it's, I think there is a bit of, I need to come into a little bit of comfort of, of the moment and where I'm at right now and be proud of myself. And I do have a little bit of that, but I think there's always a comparison of, man, I wish I was that good. I wish I was like that person or like that. So it's something that I have to constantly keep in check and work on and, and realize that those are just, uh, as Brene Brown would call it, the gremlins talking to me. Yeah. And it's, the inner fi- and it's that inner fire that you and I connect to and relate to that inner fire, that level up, you know, so maybe use it as a motivation and that is knocked down too, you know, like I can say that today cause I'm not there right now, but you know, tomorrow we'll talk again and you'll have to tell me that. No, awesome. Too. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure we have to keep reminding each other. So thank you everybody for listening to Yeah, this was five. awesome. Yeah, it was great. Amanda, how can they find us? Um, you can find us. We have right now a Facebook page, Overcoming Adversity. And if you want to be a guest, if you're interested, we have you know some really interesting guests um, lined up and we screen the process. So if you send us an email at um, overcomingadversitypodcast at gmail.com, send us a paragraph or two on why you'd like to be a guest and your, you know about your adversity and, and what you do today to positively affect your life and lives around you with the adversities that you've overcome. Um, And our next podcast, we have a a beautiful guest, um, Kim, who, um, you know, has a powerful story. So I'm looking forward to her as well. So yeah, thank you, Blake, for all that you do. And I appreciate you and think you're a beast. I think you are a beast and thank you for all that you do. (laughs) Gratitude. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. All right. Thanks. Bye.